one of the big things, biggest things I've seen is seen change in my short time has been, you know, how coaches coach. You know, you, you used to be able to, oh, Tony, you messed up. Get back on the line and give me 50 push-ups. And you would do 50 push-ups, and then you would be better because I yelled at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work anymore. Kids, kids don't want to be yelled at. Um, and if you're going to, quote-unquote, get after a guy uh, like that, uh, there has to be a big back foundation to it. You know, you there has to be a great relational foundation there. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony and I'm excited to bring you a brand new series. That's right, a series for the first time ever on kids, anxiety, and sports. Anxiety is best defined as nervousness, uh, uneasiness, kind of uh, fear of the unknown. And anxiety is all over our culture. So for the next four weeks, we're gonna take a specific look how anxiety is impacting our student athletes, our students, and even ourselves. Because 31%, according to the National Health Institute, 31% of adults are dealing with anxiety issues. And that's only the cases we know about. Today, I'm excited to bring you this featured conversation with head football coach for the Centerville Elks, Brent Ullery. In our conversation, uh, Coach Ullery talks about mental toughness in his players, what he's doing to develop that. He's talking about how social media is affecting coaching and uh, his program in general. And he also shares with us a little insight how coaching has changed from his playing days to now his coaching days and what that means for the next generation. If you're a parent, if you know a parent, if you might be a parent someday, or you've ever dealt with anxiety, you're not going to want to miss this. Also, if you're into the anxiety conversation, over at Restoration Church Centerville, we are doing a sermon series on the very same topic. It's called Everything's Fine. You can find out more about that on restorationcenterville.org or on our app, Restoration Centerville, which can be found on the iTunes and the Google Play Store. Without further ado, here's my conversation with head football coach, Brent Ullery. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm excited to bring you today's conversation uh, with a friend of mine, Brent Ullery. Brent, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, Brent plays um, an important role in our conversation that we're having all month about kids and sports and parents and sports and what does it mean to raise kids in this generation uh, with pressure around sports and anxiety and performance and what parents are putting into their kids for sports. Brent, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do in, uh, for Centerville Schools and kind of a little bit about your story, how you got there. Okay. Um, well, currently I'm a math teacher in, at the high school, Upstairs West Unit. Um, I teach primarily juniors and seniors, uh, some sophomores. You teach advanced math too, don't you? Uh, enriched math. Enriched. So yeah, the ones that are either on track to, to uh, or they're either enriched students or they're on the track to be advanced placement students. It's the hard math, in other words. Uh, yeah, there's harder math, but yes, <laughs> yes. It's, 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 some people call it hard. but uh, Numbers are hard for me no matter how you slice them. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So my hope is that the students don't think it's that hard when they finish. So That's a good goal. Yeah. So, um, But I teach uh, math upstairs, and then uh, I coach varsity football uh, year-round. Um, now, just, I'm going to pause there for a second because you said mm-hmm. something that's really important, mm-hmm. year-round. Mm-hmm. Give us, uh, anybody who's listening, what does your 
varsity football schedule. Now, Centerville's a, a D1 school, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. D1 school. It's kind of known. It's produced some big names in the football universe. Mm-hmm. Um, what does your schedule look like year-round? Uh, well, the season's the season. You know, once August hits, it's, you know, seven days a week all the way through whenever you either don't make the playoffs or, or you exit the playoffs. Uh and you get about a month off, or you have to take a month off, uh, according to the state. And then, um, you know, at least since the time that I've taken over, the, the cl- incoming classes of upperclassmen have always asked, how early can we start? And they want to get back in the weight room. They want to start working out and everything. So that usually starts about December uh, and carries through uh, until May. When May finishes and school year finishes, you take a, a little mini couple-day break. And then June, July, kick it back up again and – do some camp days and you're back in the season before you know it. So it's a lot. How many hours a week do you think that you put towards football? Um, you know, out of season, if you're talking about that whole December through May, uh, you know, with kids, I'm only putting about 10 hours max, uh, per week. Sure. Uh, that's, that's, that's on the high end. Um, but towards football, you're, you're probably looking at the 15 to 20, um, where you're, you're scheduling meetings or interviewing potential hires or, you know, meeting with players, talking with parents, responding to emails, whatever. Um, Doing and, podcasts with the kid up the street. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that having kind of fun. Thing. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> it. Fun. It's good. Yeah. So how did you get into coaching and kind of uh, tell us about your role as an athlete? Because you, you kind of had a great career in your own right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was very fortunate to, uh, to play football at Ohio State. Um, I got lucky, and you know, long story short, one of their coaches was doing his scouting and just kind of ran across me while looking at other players. They were never looking at me, uh, and just said, you know, look like a guy that Trestle might like. We got a couple of guys that Trestle really loves, uh, and AJ Hawk and Mike Nugent already. Because um, you're a Centerville guy. Yes, and, and they they know what they're what they were they knew what they were getting, and uh, I said sure. But there's no question after they said that. You know, <laughs> I hung up the phone to play it cool, but then I called him back like 30 seconds later and said, yeah. So. Um, my dad was sitting right there with me and it was a no brainer. Um, but I was able to do that and able to parlay that into, uh, a teaching. I got a math degree at Ohio state and my license through, uh, UD and Wright state. But, um, my coach at Ohio state at the time, uh, a guy named Daryl Hazel, um, most recently was with the Minnesota Vikings and Purdue Boilermakers head coach. Anyways. Um, I put him as a reference. Didn't think that people would actually call him found out that Dublin, uh, city, I had, applied to Dublin city schools and he actually called them. Oh, wow. Um, and they said they were done hiring. They were done uh, taking new candidates, but they hadn't filled the position yet. And he, you know, he, in less words said, you better interview this guy. Like you need to interview this guy. I think he's going to do a great job. And I interviewed, they, they brought me in. I drove up a couple days later. I did two rounds of interviews in one day, met with the football coach after that. Um, they hired me uh, like three weeks later and I got lucky to start my career up in Dublin. Which is a, a powerhouse in itself, right? Yeah, they, they, you know, it's very similar to Centerville, Dublin, Ohio is. Um, kids test really well. A lot of involved parents in the community. Uh, great sports programs and everything. I was at Dublin Kaufman High School teaching pretty much the same subject, the enriched pre-calculus, statistics, discrete math stuff. And did that for five years. Learned from Coach Crabtree and uh, came back down here to Centerville uh, when my wife got a job locally. Um, she's also a Centerville graduate, so it was pretty easy to come back sure. for us. And then, uh, you know, three years later, um, Ronnie Roberts decide, decided to to retire from coaching, and the there job, you were. The job was open, and right. I just happened to be the, the chair closest to his, I guess. So, <laughs> well, I, 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 I think 
I appreciate your humility, but mm-hmm. I, I know it comes with a lot of hard work and sacrifice. A mm-hmm. um, couple things about your story that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad is a pretty famous, I guess, mm-hmm. is for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. he, at least a very well-known coach in Centerville football um, lore and history. Did you play for him at Centerville? Mm-hmm. Yes, I played for him. What was that like as a student athlete, pressure packed? Your dad's the head coach. He's, I mean, is he one of the most winningest coaches? Is he the winningest coach in Centerville football history? No, Bob Gregg is. Bob Gregg, okay. Uh, well, Bob Gregg has a lot more years, too. My, Bob Gregg was here, I think, 27 to 30 years, somewhere around there. Got it. Uh, my dad was only a head coach for 13, I believe. I could be wrong, a year or so. Close um, enough. So, yeah, Bob Gregg is the winningest one. Bob Gregg, for a career, had 301 wins. I don't know how many were at Centerville, um, but more than what my dad had. I sure. Um, but anyways, yeah, he won a lot of games, and he what he did is, and, you know, the humble response from him would also be he perpetuated the tradition. He didn't try to, to redo what Bob had already done. Bob Bob Gregg did every, did all the hard work here, and, and now the jobs of the rest of us is kind of just keep it going in the right direction. So we're all building off of what Bob laid a foundation for so you're a student athlete you're playing football for your Mm -hmm. dad um i mean you get looked at by ohio state so Mm -hmm. you know you're pretty good what's what's the pressure like in your life as a high school student let's just say your senior year you're you're going into your senior year your dad's the head coach you know you're going to play college football somewhere Mm -hmm. what's going through your mind as an athlete student athlete um you know, I never really felt pressure from my dad to do anything. Um, some people don't know this about me. Like, I played baseball as well in high school. And then after my sophomore year, I played varsity baseball as a sophomore. And uh, that, w- you know, not a lot of people did that, but I was fortunate enough to be able to have that opportunity. And I came to my dad after after my sophomore year. I was like, I'm just, this isn't for me. And, and my dad was a college baseball player and everything. And he had helped Tim Engelkay coach baseball. And they were close friends and I'm like, just, it's not for me. Well, I don't care. He goes, I don't care. Like, if it's not for you, then don't do it. You know, cause if you don't love it, you're going to hate it out there. So don't play. And, and, and that's the advice I took. And, and, and that was the right decision for me. You know, I, I, I tell my players, I don't want people to think like, Oh, well, I was trying to specialize or it was too hard or something like that. Um, while we, it was very difficult and, and I did end up spending my now vacant time focusing on football. I didn't do it to focus on football. I gotcha. just did it because I didn't love baseball. You know, I really only loved pitching, but uh, they don't let you pitch every day and your arm would fall off if you did. <laughs> you got to you gotta do something else in the baseball field. Right? Yeah, but I never felt pressure from him and, and he's fully supported me. Um, never felt pressure on the field. Never, you know, felt pressure to do anything uh, out of my capability on in the locker room or in practice or anything like that. Um, and he never really treated me any different than than any other players you know i mean we had opportunities at home where i could have conversations with them about sure. practice or whatever but that other players players didn't get but i typically find that most coaches are actually harder on their own kids than mm-hmm. they are on other kids uh, at least in, in my limited experience so far so i, mm-hmm. I you know i can imagine mm-hmm. if you didn't give 100 percent effort at home you're when you got home your dad let you hear about it yeah yeah and, and there was that that i didn't want to let you down kind of because if he's going to work so hard, why wouldn't I work so hard kind of right. deal? Yeah. Um, but I think every kid should feel that that way. You know, not just the son to the father coach. It, it should be the guy next to me, to to my dad, even though he's not his son. Uh, if he's working hard, I should work hard for him. Um, so I would I would work pretty hard and kind of keep my nose down. And, and I did. The only time I really felt pressure, and it was never put on by him, it was just a, a presence there, was, you know, when it came to the decision-making process. And, 
when it's like, okay, I, do I want to go to this party that I know about or do I want to stay out of trouble? Well, I'm just going to stay out of trouble because I don't want to, you know, let down what my family's doing here. Sure. Or something like that. But, um, you know, I never had, he never had his thumb on me or anything. And, yeah. you know, very rarely did he ever say, no, you can't do that. So, well, it sounds like a, a good, healthy balance. How did that balance translate into collegiate sports? You go to Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there are very few people in the world who will get to experience college athletics at that level mm-hmm. like you have. How would you describe the pressure as being a football player for Ohio State? Well, let's preface it by the guys that were actually playing probably felt a different <laughs> pressure. They probably felt a different one. Um, you know, typically my pressure was the Tuesday, Wednesday practices uh, where you have to be perfect because the defense is expecting you to be perfect so sure. that they can get as good of a look as possible. Um, but, you know, it's different. It's definitely different. You have to find a way to juggle your time. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure to, like, as a walk-on, if your GPA, even, you could be the greatest walk-on in the world, but if your GPA slips too low, and you're no longer bringing the team GPA up, they could just cut you for that. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure there when, when you're not a guy that's on the field every Saturday um, to do all the other things right. You know, never miss a lift, always be there early, you know, do every drill right. Um, my co- receiver coach, Daryl Hazel, that I talked about earlier, he gave, us, gave me some great advice. I still give it every year uh, was to all our players. I say, just don't be a drain. You know, don't, don't, you know, siphon the energy out of the, the room or the coach or whatever. Like, if you have a question, you can ask it. But if it's a question that's already been answered, you need to know that answer already. And, you know, don't ask me how to run route XYZ if the guy next to you just asked how to run XYZ, you know. So uh, I took that to heart and I said, you know what, I'm never going to bother this guy. All I'm going to do is try to produce for him and see where it gets me. Um, and I, and I think it, it did well for me. Uh, yeah, got me I mean, obviously got you a job, yeah, right, yeah. At, at, a, at a huge school mm-hmm. in a premier city. So mm-hmm. um, what year did you graduate from Ohio State? Uh, 2008. 2008. Yeah, and so 2008. for the last 11 years, mm-hmm. you've been coaching um, high school athletics and doing math, mm-hmm. more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen the sport change from a coaching perspective, looking at the students today? Because, I, I mean, it's... Kind of the preface of this entire conversation is is that there's there's a weird kind of pressure and stress it feels like on a lot of sports, especially in uh, kind of affluent middle upper class communities like ours at Centerville, mm-hmm. and I think across America people are just so focused on performance. Mm-hmm. How's it changed from 2008 when you finished um, playing college sports to now where you're you're coaching at a D1 high school at a, at a pretty elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know this isn't the point of the conversation that we're having, but I will just plug it. Like, I do feel like the sport has never been safer. I feel like a lot of changes in the sure. sport have been around safety uh, and protecting the, the athlete, which yeah. is great. I, lo- I love great. it, too. As, as a, I've got two kids who play mm-hmm. football, and the Wee Elks just bought a whole bunch of new helmets. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about it. I got to plug them all year, and I, th- I think it's a great investment. I agree. The, yeah. The, the the game is safe. It's it's yeah, it's great. As safe as it's going to be. It's yeah. still yeah. It's still people flying after each other, tackling. <laughs> it's hopefully. still fun, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's what we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, one of the big things, biggest things I've seen is seen change in my short time has been you know how coaches coach. You know, you, you used to be able to oh Tony, you messed up. Get back on the line and give me fifty push ups, and you would do fifty push ups, and then you would be better because I yelled at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work anymore. Kids, kids don't want to be yelled at, um, and 
if you're going to quote unquote get after a guy uh, like that, um, there has to be a big back foundation to it. You know, you there has to be a great relational foundation there where that kid knows whatever you're doing doesn't matter what you do, you're doing it to help me. Um, whereas back in you know back when I began and back when I began playing, if the coach said jump, you just how high? How do I? It doesn't matter if you if this is your first day coaching me or not. I'm just going to do it. Um, I don't think that exists anymore. What do you think has attributed to, um, I'm going to say styles, like a softer style versus a harder style of coaching. What do you think is kind of attributed to that where the players today, because I I do feel like it's all connected, Mm -hmm. um, where the players today can't handle or or don't want to handle? I'm not even sure what the right way to say it because I'm I'm not necessarily want to put a connotation on it, but Mm -hmm. there, there has been a fundamental shift in people's ability to receive uh, harsh criticism, I True. guess. And, you know, I don't think, let me think about how I want to work this. I don't think that there's a difference between the harsh and let's, let's just use a bad word here and say soft, the yeah. softer and harsher, more harsh approach to coaching. Um, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Both ways can work. Um, I think previously, and if you're dating back decades, the harsh way was the only way that it's, that people seem to believe worked. So all the people that did it and all the people that well, were I mean, successful. Yeah, success, were, right. were Bear like Bryant that. and, you know, those yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, and, and all the, you know, flying off the wall stuff and, um, you know, the Jimmy Johnsons and all that stuff just going crazy, right? And, it, and that worked. Um, those guys still exist, the pe- people that coach like that. And some of my players may even tell you that, hey, Coach Ellery's like that. Um, I don't know. But I think coaches have figured out that there's other ways to do it and there's other ways to relate to players and there's other ways to maximize their potential because you're never going to get anything more than a player's potential out of them. So it's just how do you do it? If if some if this kid can get yelled at and you can just say, hey, go faster, and he'll go faster, okay, then just say go faster. But if this kid over here says, I, I need to trust you, and then I'll go faster, okay, then you're going to have to establish a relationship with him. He's going to be the kid that you're going to have to send a text message and say, hey, how's your mom doing? I know she started a new job or whatever uh, to, to know that you care about his life. And then when you say, hey, go faster, he'll go faster. Um, there's just different ways of doing it. Both are yielding the same results. Um, you know, there's, you know, the Tony Dungy approach where he's very methodical and relates to his players, boom, 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 and he went in Super Bowls. And then Greg Popovich with the Spurs, the guy looks like his head's about to explode off his head, and he's winning world championships as well. So th- there's different ways to do it, I think. When you look at the athletes that you're coaching today versus maybe that uh, your teammates or you, do you do you attribute like the general change in uh, receiving that to the culture? Is that is that? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, do you relate this to social media? Do you relate this to the digital world we live in? Um, any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? I could see that. Um, I have heard students say uh, and players say like. Oh look, I got 200 likes, or oh, how many followers do you have, and stuff like that, and where, you know, they are kind of measuring themselves based on how many times the heart button gets tapped uh, on a picture, and, and it means nothing to us, right. our generation, but in their in their world, I think it means something, um, and maybe they need that self validation, or or they need to be praised before they can be constructively criticized. Um, it's I don't know. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I I um I know a uh, my I have a seventh grader. And he follows um, an eighth grader. He'll be a freshman basketball player who just got verified on Twitter okay. or on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and, and my son thought enough of it to mention it to me, which at 13 is, is a miracle unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that as a, like, I, I'm not even sure how to deal with it as a parent where I'm, I'm actively engaging in my son's social media screen time and all that kind of stuff. How do you deal with social media? You know, I, I mean, apps like Huddle where you can mm-hmm. create your own highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a good app. Like we used it. But love the app. Um, how do you deal with that as a coach? See, that's that's what's happening right now is we have a generation of coaches that were coached different than they're being expected to coach children today. So that's where we see a divide. And it's not just football. It's all sports. Yeah. Uh, where you, That's where you see all these news stories and everything. This coach did this. This coach did that. Well, it, a coach probably did that to them, but you can't do it to this next generation. It's not. It can't trickle all the way down. It kind of is ending with us. Um, and we have to be the ambassadors to this new way of coaching, which is, you know, more relational and more conversational and more, uh, you know, trust building than just run through a wall and see where the bricks lay. Um, but with the social media and everything, um, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I do. I run our team Twitter. Yeah. Um, I have my own Twitter account. Um, I have a Facebook account that I use to promote our youth program. I do know that social media is out there try to use it for good and I try to you know glorify if we have you know perfect attendance kid here or this guy signs a college scholarship or whatever I try to praise the kids because they they deserve it for what they've done Um, but at the same time I try to you know live a life where that's not something I'm chasing and hopefully they recognize that like here's this guy that is my leader I guess for lack of a better word and he doesn't care about this stuff so why should I because when it's all said and done you know, whether you're in the classroom getting ready to take an ACT or you're on the practice field getting ready to play in a game, like when you're doing either of them, no one cares what your social media account looks like. No one cares how many people like you. And when you're on the football field, the only people that matter that like you are on your team. And they can't tap a heart button. You know, they can't double tap a picture on Instagram. They are going to show you that they like you by playing for you. And that's the only thing you should care about. So I don't know. I, I, I don't, I do the social media thing. F- partially for them and you know to help with the program and everything because i feel like i should but it's not something we i mean the reality is spend a lot of time on there's a lot of optics there's Mm -hmm. just a lot of everybody sees it Mm -hmm. everybody sees it so it's it's a constant it's a constant battle of you know trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and and a lot of the studies that i've read um says that 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 could be contributed to what's promoting the anxiety in our young student athletes as a matter of fact one study i read said that um, the anxiety levels that 54% of our student athletes have now is similar to what um, would have put you in an insane asylum back in the early 50s. Wow. Like it's because it, it's so, it's that addictive kind of. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you've got 70 some odd players in your program at any given time, not counting the WE program and, and mm-hmm. all of the other kind of downflows of this massive operation. Mm-hmm. Um how do you tell players to deal with their stress and anxiety of things like playing time and um, performance anxiety? And I mean, because it's it's it seems like it's it's on the rise more than I've ever. I and mean, when I played football, you just played. I, mm-hmm. There was no. And if you were bad, you didn't play, and you just 
people just told you you were bad, and that <laughs> yeah. was fine. Like yeah. it was, it was okay. I, I can mm-hmm. remember Coach Place at, at Chaminade Julian, where I went to high school. He said, uh, he said, son, I think you're you got a great heart, but there's no way I can protect you on a football field. So unless you grow, you're probably never going to play. And I was like, thanks, coach. And I went and got a job. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that today in this world? Um, you know, it's funny. We're studying, the whole team is studying Ryan Hawk's podcast right now. Yeah. And one of the, the last one we just studied was J.J. Reddick's. And you talked about just it being a head love case. that episode. Oh, love phenomenal. that episode. You know, yeah, quick plug for the Learning Leader Show, right? Um, but so J.J., he was talking about being a head case in the court and blah, blah, blah. And he's missing all these shots. And, what, and he gets really upset when his teammates would say, hey, keep shooting. And he's like, well, duh, I'm going to keep shooting. You're paying me to shoot. That's what I do. I'm a shooter. I'm going to keep shooting. Um, but And then Ryan asked, well, how do you get out of your own head and everything? And he said, you just – and we, we talked to our players extensively about this last Monday um, and that you just got to rely on your on the practice. Like you just rely on what you've been doing and trust the process of what you've been doing and all those repetitions over the years that eventually it's going to straighten itself out. You know, like if you've been working the right way and taking care of your body and training the right way and living the right life, not lying, not being deceitful, not, you know, lacking effort and trying to fake like you're giving it. If you've been doing things the right way, you're just never going to be perfect 100% of the time. So it'll, it'll work itself out of the rut. Um, and, and I tell our kids that at school, too. Like, yeah, these kids that come in, like parents may get divorced or, you know, a sibling or family member may pass away or, you know, dog pass, whatever. A lot of them going through a lot of tough things. Yeah. Boyfriend, girlfriend breaking. I mean, not to mention their body is literally changing every day. Every single day. Every single day. And they're getting scrutinized or bullied in some way or another, whether it's intentional or unintentional. They're doing it to themselves or whatever. It's a big deal. And what I tell them is, like, just invest in the process and all that stuff will work itself out. You know, like, if your parents are going through a divorce, don't hide at home and cry in a room. Come to school. Come to school and get around teachers that like genuinely care about you. Get around your friends that genuinely care about you. Do math that has nothing to do with your parents, but it'll make your brain do something for a half an hour. And you're not th- you're not thinking about how sad you are that mom moved away or whatever, whatever that may be. So that's the first cool. time I've ever heard math as a as a suitable <laughs> counseling. I love it. No, I think it's great. But you're but you're right. Yeah, I love what you said there. Invest in the process. Mm-hmm. Invest in the process because what you're investing in will generally produce dividends, mm-hmm. right? So if you invest in your own anxiety and self-pity and your own, uh, you know, negative self-talk, then that's what you will get dividends in. And exactly. and so how much do you think of your – you mentioned Monday that you were having this conversation and you got your team studying the Learning Leader Show, this great podcast. And um, how much of your coaching time percentage-wise is do you think is – put on towards mental coaching um and do you, has that number gone up i mean that you're in has your gone third up. year right yes yeah. um my first year all i coached was football uh i called plays i taught guys how to catch a ball and how to be in the open area at the right time essentially sure and i thought that was football and and as i'm working my way through this process i'm realizing that i need to be doing less of that and more of getting inside their heads and, and figuring out what they need from me. Man, not, what, not what they place. want, but what right. they need, what they genuinely need from me. And you know, do they need someone to push them? Do they need some, they need a shoulder to cry on? Do they just need someone to talk to so they can just vent and then they're going to be good. Um, but I'm doing a lot more of that these days um, where I spend a lot more of my time uh, investing in players versus investing in football. 
Um, and we'll see if it pays off. Everyone tells me it's going to pay off. I th- it's the route I've chosen to invest in. So, um, so we'll how, how has that changed you? Uh, you know, you see things in a different light. Um, having a son, having a daughter, and and changing my has started changing my thinking, and now shifting to this way of coaching has changed my thinking considerably. Um, you you have, you have a little bit softer side. That doesn't. I'm not saying that practice is any easier. Right. You know, running is not any easier. We're not going to lower our expectations by any means, but I do sympathize a little bit more uh, with what players are going through, what coaches are going through with their families and stuff like that, and makes kind of puts in perspective. You know that not everybody's going to go home and watch this Beaver Creek film for 15 hours and get ready for Wednesday's practice. You know, like it's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I I better invest in what I can invest in. As you look at your own kids, because um, they're both really young, mm-hmm. um, what do you? What are your sports dreams for them? Do you have any yet? Have you thought <laughs> about it? I mean, listen, I, I got three kids, and I'm, you know, I, 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 this is the. I think parents, dads especially, probably have at least thought about it once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm a firm believer. My my kids can do almost everything that, almost anything that they would want to do. Um, you say almost, like you know the one thing they're not allowed to do. I do know the one thing that my son is not allowed to do, uh, and it's only him. Um, but I'm not going to say it on air. Okay, fair so enough. I don't, fair enough. Know, so fair I don't enough. lose any popularity or anything. Like, <laughs> I don't have him much right now anyways. But, uh, you know, and that could change. I'm open to that idea changing. Yeah. He's not allowed to do that. Um, but it hasn't been changed yet. So they, they can do whatever they want. Um, my big thing is going to be I want them to have open doors for them. So if they want to – a sport and be really good at it or if they want to i'm going to try to get them to try all the, all the sports but um whatever they choose is up to them um but they're going to do well at school they're 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 going to do well and their mom's not going to accept any less from yeah them so they're going to do well there they're going to keep their academic doors open um we've been blessed uh they're they're mo- most likely barring some catastrophe of some kind most likely they're going to go to college and i want them to have options uh to be able to explore whatever university they want, so I love that. I, I love the um, the emphasis on the academics because mm-hmm. I, I know and I've heard you say it multiple times that that's one of the the most important things that parents can do to help prepare their student athletes for college. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a I'm a little bit ahead of the game in terms of where my kids are, and it's it's insane to think about the amount of money that we parents that I I'll use I statements here that I put into my kids sports mm-hmm. from my son's playing 13U baseball to um, you know my 9-year-old wants to play baseball and summer leagues for basketball and we're playing all the different sports mm-hmm. so this is your chance to give a message to to parents out there about their emphasis on sports in their kids life what's the one thing that you really want to tell that parent out there who is mortgaging everything so their kid might get a little bit better. If they, if they think that it, that everything that they're doing is helping their kid, if they think everything they're doing is helping their kid, then they need to humble themselves. Um, because if their kid is meant to be discovered by the NBA, let's say their kid is meant to be discovered by, Ryan Day at Ohio State, uh, or Nick Saban at Alabama, or whatever, any sport, you name it. If they're meant to be discovered, they're going to get discovered, especially in a place like where we're at right now, um, in Centerville. Like, 
there's no need to yeah, coaches travel the country. Here all the time. There's no need to travel the right. country and do and, and see the world and experience this. And you know, some people may argue and say, well, they're getting better competition, so they're getting better. I, I'm not going to argue that either. Um, but I don't think that that's worth me spending all kinds of my money and my energy on that when we could be growing as a family, when you could be growing academically. Because the bottom line is, if and I've had some great players. I just had one sitting in my office today, an alumni, and I won't say his name because I love him to death, but his grades were not good enough leaving high school. And mm-hmm. he had all kinds of college coaches coming in saying, what's his GPA? And his GPA was not good enough. I said, sorry. And they let us know if he does JUCO. Yeah, as, and, as quick as they walk in, they just walk out. Yeah, and uh, it, was, it was really unfortunate for him. And now he's landed on his feet. He is at a Division One school now. He's figured it out and able to transfer, and et cetera. But, I mean, all these people that spend all this money on – they're investing in the wrong people They, you know, if, if you think about it, like why invest in a, in a travel baseball coach that, yeah, he's, he's just taking your check and then taking you to Nashville is all he's doing. You know, whereas your high school baseball coach is the one that really cares about you is the one that's really going to recruit for you. The one that's really going to market you and is actually going to be there for you. If you need anything else, that travel baseball coach, as much as you think he likes you, if he lives in Indiana and his son's an all-star and you just happen to be on the team, right? it ain't happening. It's not happening. It's a waste of time. Same with the trainers. I hate these trainers. You know, you and I were talking about this off air. Like, these trainers are, are they're always the good guy. They can always tell you how great you are. But why are these parents investing so much money in the players? Like, in, invest your time in the school. Invest your time in, in the program. You know, like, if I'm going to use my football players, for example, instead of giving your trainer all your time and energy – why don't you give that to your team? Like give that to your team, give that to your coaches, give that to your academics, and I'll bet you you're way better off. You know, but pe- these parents get caught in this paradigm of uh, I, I I feel like I'm missing out if I don't provide this opportunity for my kid. Um, and and I don't know what I'll do. You know, right now, if you ask me if my son could age, you know, 12 years right now, and he's getting ready to do travel, whatever, like. I, I'm probably going to nix him from doing that. Like, yeah. I, I just, I'm, and I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong, but I'm just saying I, was, I want you to compete and, and I want you to go out and try new things and I want you to go have yeah. fun. But there's a whole other world outside of athletics. And, you know, the percentages say it that uh, a small percentile is going to make it to, the, to where they want to make it. Everyone else is going to kind of get there and realize that they don't really like it, so it'll stop. So, I don't know. I. I saw something funny the other day uh, on the internet or whatever. I was reading through it. said, you know, 5% of athletes have perfect attendance at their school practices. Yeah. Less than that, make it to Division One. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. So, like, if you can't do, if you can't even do what your high school is asking you to do because you, you think what you're doing is better, then, you know, you're never going to make it. Now, what I really hear from mm-hmm. you saying is in, invest in the sense of community mm-hmm. and the athletics will take care of themselves. 100%. And, and invest in the education and invest in the and you know honestly if, if maybe if if we cheered as loud for great cards as we did for for touchdowns mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> like uh, yeah things things might be a little different things yeah. might be a little different um how do you how do you deal with um because because there is a sense of pride i mean we even use the, the hashtag elk pride and i mm-hmm. i put it out there as much as anybody does um how do you deal with the pressure that comes from outside of your program for the program. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we saw it a little bit last year on, on social media. We see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people genuinely are excited, maybe 
I, I don't know if it's appropriately excited. I, I don't know what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. I, um, but what do you, how do you, how do you deal with that with your players? How do you deal with that for yourself? I mean, that's got to be, I think you have one of the hardest jobs in all of Centerville, actually. Um, there's certainly some scrutiny out there. I'll give you that. Um, and I, and I will not lie. I, at one point last year, I did read some comments that I guess were going on some Facebook posts and somebody was sending me, uh, screenshots of it and they were not nice to say the least. And and then I'm sitting there reading, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, this is, what's this helping? Right. So I've kind of started practicing abstinence as far as reading social media comments and everything. Um, there's definitely pressure, uh, from, the alumni and, you know, probably more pressure from the tradition of, of Centerville football. Um, but that's okay. You know, pressure turns coal into diamonds, right? right. So, um, you know, you just try to use it to make it better. And I will say this, that the alumni base, I've never felt the alumni base is stronger support than I did last year when it was a pretty dark period for us. Uh, we weren't doing so well and you would think that they'd bail and jump ship and I'm getting text after text, after email, after phone call, yada, yada, yada. Like, Hey, let's grab coffee. Hey, you got our support. Hey, what can we do? Can we just buy the team dinner? Whatever, whatever you need to do. Let's keep these kids spirits up and let's keep working. And I'm just like, Whoa, here I am feeling like I'm letting you down and you're just jump more of you're jumping in, in the bandwagon. Um, so it was pretty cool to, to see that. Um, but I, we talked to our kids about, you know, our why and and I admittingly my why was wrong you know I used to work hard and put all these hours in for the tradition and for the alumni and everything and while those are a byproduct uh, I changed my why in, mm. into I wanted to start doing this all for my players and when you when you take the pressure and move it the pressure is always going to be there if you say it's not going to come from the alumni it's not going to come from my principal or my athletic director the pressure is going to come from my players and those are the ones I don't want to let down. So I'm going to work hard for them. Now all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to work and you know what they want. And it's a lot easier to to be a servant, you know, really. That's that's very well stated. And I think it reinforces what you said earlier about working for the community rather than just working for the accolades mm-hmm. or, in, in this case, tradition, right? So mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you have a really well thought out routine about how you approach the year can you kind of take us through that process? Because I, I imagine that there are some parents and maybe students who are listening to this podcast right now who are wondering, well, what do I have to do to get mentally tough? It sounds like you've put some things in place. Can you take us through mm-hmm. your year in terms of mental toughness and, mm-hmm. and maybe what daily disciplines that you do to stay um, stay mentally focused and, and ready to go? Mm-hmm. Sure. You, you know, It's funny you say mentally tough. That's like our theme for the year. And, and I'm not a theme guy by any means, but it just keeps resurfacing. Like we need to be mentally tougher. And, and what does that look like? You know, it looks like doing little things right. And it looks like perseverance and handling adversity, et cetera. And we always, you know, call upon those scenarios whenever we see them. Like this, handling this this way is being mentally tough, whatever that may be. Um, but so we've kind of woven it into our program um, that we're going to make ourselves mentally tough by putting ourselves in very adverse situations. You know, we're going to make ourselves really tired and then start over. It's essentially what we did today. Yeah. We just, hey, guys, you've got to get from point A to point B. And right as they were about to get from, to point B, said it wasn't good enough, go back to point A. And now you're as most tired as you've ever been, and you know where you have to go. You know what it took to get there. You just have to do it a little bit more, and you'll be successful. And just things like that we're trying to kind of ingrain – mental toughness uh 
into them and, and let them see what it looks like, you know, what it looks like to That's awesome. To do more than you think you can do. Do more than what we say the little voice in your head is telling you to stop and you can probably do a little bit more and a little bit more and we always, you know, wrap it up and you look around like, Hey guys, you're tired but no one's no one's on the ground. You're able to walk out of here. You're healthy. Okay, you know, Timmy might have, you know, puked in the trash can. That's okay. Um, but you're better for it. You feel fine now. Let's go do it again. Yeah. You know, kind of deal. So um, it's definitely a process to figure out how we're going to do that. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time. I figured out that as a head coach, you don't do much football. You do a lot of uh, – it's kind of like a principal at a, at a school. You don't, sure. do, you don't do any teaching at all. You just find ways to make people better. You find you don't actually get to do it. You just have to find resources and ways <laughs> to help people get make themselves better. So you find ways. Like, well, I'm going to make my players be better by putting them through this circuit today, and I'm going to make my coaches better because I'm going to assign them this duty uh, to do to be with their players. But I'm not going to teach them how to do it. I'm just going to give you a resource and say, go figure it out and do it in your own way, and 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 all that. And the coaches know. I'm very transparent with them. Like, hey, I'm I'm coaching you to be mentally tough too. Mentally tough coaches. You're not going to give in when your players keep demanding from you right so it's it's a process but it's, it's what's a your think about. what's your personal routine in that how do you stay mentally mm-hmm. tough um you know you got to stay grounded and understand your why like my why is my family and my players and that's it you know do you write that down anywhere uh no i don't have it written down uh i have a burning burning conversation with our players last year uh ingrained in my head i can see everyone where they were sitting who i looked at when i said this and how i felt when i knew i was what i was saying was wrong and I, I just think about it all the time. Um, so I keep my wife there and I know why I'm doing things. Um, you know, my, my personal routine is I'm going to get up early in the morning for a multitude of reasons. And I tell this to my players, like, it's my selfish time. Like, we, we talked, like, it's 4 a.m. I have to get up because no one else is awake. No one else can ask me to do anything. So I'm going to be selfish, and that's when I'm going to exercise. And I exercise because, A, I like to, you know, try to be in shape or at least work off the brownies I ate. <laughs> um, and B, like, I, I know I need to exercise in the morning before I see them because I have to demonstrate stuff to them, and I can't demonstrate it if I'm not loose, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I just exercise. Like, this morning I rode five miles on the track on my bike just so I could be loose and run around a little bit with the players when they needed me to demonstrate certain things or whatever. Um, and, and I'm hoping that at least me being able to do that rubs off on them. Maybe they see that I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of sleep for them, and maybe they notice it and they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of something for me or whatever. But um, but after after football's over, it's family time, and go back to being a family and go back to picking up my son and playing at the water table in the backyard. And how does the how does your family? I guess your wife at this point is really mm-hmm. the only one who has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with um, be the the pressure of of this kind of position, and you know, mm-hmm. like um, I, I mean, I can't imagine that that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. How, how does that impact you guys during the football season in terms of uh, a pressure that it puts on the family? Uh, we don't feel any pressure. Okay, um, good. I'll just be completely honest. Yeah, no, with you. I love she's a hundred percent supportive. Um, She's willing to pick up the kids. Right. She's willing to pack the lunches or whatever. Um, she knows that Sundays I've, I'm, I'm kind of a ghost. Uh, Saturdays I'll give you everything I got. Um, and during the week there's, there's certain days and times I'll give you everything I got, fam. But like Sundays, there's 10 Sundays there where I'm going to be a ghost because i got to write scripts and 
practice plans and all this stuff and watch an absurd amount of film just so I doing the I'm doing the right things but um she's great she's supportive about it and she does whatever she can she she groups together the wives and she she does her own part to try and make the program special you That's know awesome. like kind of like a um I don't even know. She's like, a, she's a phenomenal cheerleader, but also like a cheer mom because she's like rallying all everyone. Yeah, together. that's great. She makes sure that the players see me and my kids together. So she'll bring my kids up to practice, bring my kids up to team dinner and everything. Uh, just because she knows how important it is that people see me being a father and a husband. Um, but she's great. So we don't really feel too much pressure at home. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. well, I think honestly, I think it goes back to your why. Mm-hmm. Like when you're really clear about why you're doing all this, and mm-hmm. it's, if your wife's really clear about why you're doing all this, then there's no way that you can mess, like you mess that up, mm-hmm. because you're clear about what your priorities are. Yeah. Can I tell a quick story? Please. About that? Yeah. 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 She, she, you know, when the job opened up, um, I came home and like they, Rodney Roberts told me that the job was going to open up in in like 18 hours or something like that. Now, were you guys living in Centerville already? Yeah. This is my third year teaching in Centerville. Okay. I was assistant coach on staff, and Rodney Roberts goes, "Hey." He comes into my classroom and goes, and I thought he was going to meet with me and talk about offense or whatever. He had just made me the offensive coordinator. And he goes, hey, I'm going to resign. Just letting you know, if you want to get your ducks in the line or whatever, it's totally on you, but I'm going to resign uh, for my own reasons, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So I'm thinking to myself, like, here we go again. Like another head coach and blah, blah, blah. Like I I wasn't thinking anything. And I went home and I told my wife, I remember sitting on the couch and she goes, I tell her, I'm like, Ronnie Roberts is going to resign tomorrow at noon. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. She goes, I know what you're going to do. You're going to apply to be the head coach. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, we have a kid due in a week and a half. And you're going to tell me that I need to apply to be a head coach? And she's like, yes, you're going to apply to be the head coach. I'm like, I don't know. We need to think about this. She's like, I don't have to think about it. I'll tell you the same answer tomorrow morning. She goes, you're going to apply. I'm like, okay. I didn't even know that that's what I wanted to do. But I, but I immediately knew that I had her support, and, and, and she was willing to do whatever it took. And we had – she was nine months pregnant. I was three credit hours away from finishing my master's degree, and I was already enrolled and everything. And she said, you're doing this. We'll figure it out. So. And you did, didn't you? She figured it out. I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying. Yeah. Yes. You she, had another kid along the way. Yeah. You, you played some football. You won some football. Yeah. Like, it's been good. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. And she's been supportive. And she's never backed down from her word, like, at all. She said, I support you 100%. I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, see, I, I think when, when you talk about that and mm-hmm. to see your face light up as you tell that story mm-hmm. and talk about your wife, it's – Great, but I I think it goes back to what this this whole idea that we're talking about when it comes to kids and sports and anxiety. Like, if you know why, and you you're clear about your why and and who you're doing it with, mm-hmm. the best people in your community will make you better. Hundred percent. Your wife made you better. My mm-hmm. wife makes me better all the time. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she buys into my crazy ideas, and she grounds me, and she does all those things for me. And so who we surround ourselves with is critically important, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I love your kind of team first mentality when it comes to, you know, why family and and these players. Mm -hmm. And and so if every player on your team got really clear about the why, now you're cooking with gas. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. So do you guys set um, goals as a team going into the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have goals, uh, you know, traditionally they're football goals, um, you know, off, like game goals. Yeah, and stuff sure, like that. sure. And, and we talk about attendance goals and everything like that. and uh, GPA goals probably, mm-hmm. yeah, just, you know. This... And, and those are a little bit, you know, 
that's a little bit wishy-washy because, I mean, you call a duck a duck. Not everyone's a 4.2 student. Right. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to be a 4.2 student if you're not. I'm just asking you to be the best student you can be. And you know, let's try to get some doors open and make sure we're in the right classes, et cetera. But, but yeah, we do make goals. Um, very rarely do we talk about our goals, um, like our end goals, you know, like winning the conference or, or winning uh, all, our ten, all 10 games or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I refuse to let anyone talk about winning a state championship. Right. I, I don't know that um, – I, I think I may have one coach that's ever been part of a state championship team. But no one no – one, you don't really know. So don't talk about something you don't really know anything about. Sure. Um, so <laughs> that's, like, great, that's what I tell them. That's a great point. So that's what I tell them. Like, guys, I've never played in a, in a state championship. I've never coached a state championship. I've played in a national championship in college. So, I, you know, I have some kind of an idea what it takes to get there. But, no, we're not going to talk about that. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the process. And we're going to talk about, okay – today we had a warm-up we had to do a certain warm-up and it had to be done this way after this we'll talk about the workout it has to be done this way and then we'll talk about the running it has to be done this way and then we're going to talk about the locker room cleanup is what we did it has to be done this way and we're just talking about the process constantly we're not really talking about hey we got to be three and oh going into conference play oh man we got to go to springfield this year we got to be ready to go at spring no we're not talking about any of that stuff we're just talking about make yourself better. Fall in love with the process. Mm-hmm. Fall in love with the process. Understand your why. That's I think that's solid for for all of us, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'm, I imagine you have to lean in on this in the middle of the grind of the season. Or uh, what what part of the year is the hardest part? Is it summer getting ready, or is it in the season when you're playing? Is it December when you're getting ready? It's never in the season. The hardest part of the season is the last day when you got to turn in equipment because yeah. you're just not ready for it. Like, yeah. you know, the, the tank is empty. Trust me. Like, <laughs> you're running on fumes <laughs> at that point. Um, but it doesn't matter. You could all if somebody said, "Hey, you want to play one more game?" You would say yes like, in a heartbeat. No, co- no coach would ever disagree with that. Um, the yeah, I don't think part, I, any player I, I think that would will probably never play again, right? Because. Yeah. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody wants to play one more game. Let's yeah. get one more in. Yeah. 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 And they wouldn't care. Like, hey, that means we're going to have to run gassers for three days to get ready. Like, okay, we're going to play them. So I don't think it's that. I think the hardest part of the year has got to be May. Is, May is rough. You know, the weather turns. We've been in the weight room for now almost six months and doing the same thing over and over again. And all you want to do is touch a football and the state says you're not allowed. So... We're just out there lifting and running and trying to get ready. May's a little bit of a grind. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> it's like tough. It. It's tough. You try to get outside and let them push sleds instead of benching and stuff like that, just to just to mix things up. But it's, yeah, it seems like it would be, um, especially because these aren't. I mean, these are still developing young men, mm-hmm. right? And so emotions are all over the place, and mm-hmm. you've got all that testosterone built up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I could see where that'd be a huge grind. Yeah, it is. It's tough, but it's fun. It's fun. I really enjoy the process. And the hardest part for a lot of coaches is that off-season weight room. But, like, I think that might be my top two favorite places in the world, you know, is or in the football world is, right. is the weight room. You know, I think if you're going to affect a program, you're going to do it in there. And I like grinding it out. I do. I like sweating it out. I like getting excited if I see somebody with really good squat form or really good deadlift form or something like that like that really gets me excited so that's let's awesome. hang out in the weight room you know <laughs> let's go so. that's awesome 
okay, so one of the questions I love to ask people as we um, kind of get to the end of our time is mm -hmm. if, if you could go back and give young player your senior year of high school, uh, Brent, Ooh. one piece of advice. <laughs> You know, you're going into this big season. Your dad's head coach. You have no idea that Ohio State's going to come knocking at your door. Um, what's the one piece of advice that you would like to give yourself? You know, I, I would say, and I would give this advice to our kids. This kind of falls back on our anxiety thing. I didn't have anxiety or anything, but I worried about a lot of, you know, quote, unquote, the BS. Yeah. Um, I worried what my girlfriend thought of me. I worried about... Uh, what I wore to school, and hey, I just wore that blue shirt last Tuesday. I can't wear it this Tuesday. You know, kind of. I've had all those dumb thoughts that like they don't matter. None of that matters. Like I should have spent more time with my friends. I should have spent more time with my family. Less time with my girlfriend or whatever. Um, I probably should have studied a little bit more. I was okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I probably could have. Um, but I probably, and that's the way I would have. I would tackle college version of myself as well I would say quit worrying about this all this other BS and you know it's all about you and your family and your friends and just enjoy the process because if I if I would have cut out that other stuff I would have had a lot more time and I would have probably had a more successful career than I had if I was able to trim trim the fat I guess stop spreading yourself so thin and kind of be deep major in the major kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, that's, that's a good putting it that's a good word I think uh, and any closing thoughts for any parents out there or any future players or um, anything yeah. that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say? Yeah, keep your kids in, in sports. Keep them doing it. You know, like make them say no, they don't like it after they try it. You know, don't let them say no, I don't want to do it if they haven't done it. You know? I just thought of a question that I really wanted to ask you um, okay. as you mentioned that. Are you a fan of keeping your kid in like once they make a commitment or uh, – like mm -hmm. so, they start their sophomore year, and the middle of the sophomore year, they decide they hate whatever sport they're in—football, mm -hmm. football, baseball, basketball. Are you a keep them in guy, or are you a let them drop guy? Uh, no, I'm a keep them in. Um, I feel like you've committed, and people have committed to you. It, it's no different than what when people, uh, you know, transfer schools. People transfer schools looking for greener pastures. Whether it's hey, I can start over at this school, or this school is going to give me a, more college opportunities, or whatever. Those schools, those communities, those coaches, those players have all invested in you. You've invested in them as well, but they've invested in you, and you owe it to them. I'm a keep it in guy too. I I always tell our kids, like, you don't have to do this again, but you got to finish now. Finishing is important, and it takes grit to finish. It's super important. You don't always get to finish things that you like. No, no. Most people, most people don't like. Very few people get to the end of their career and be like, man, I love that. I'm mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm so sad I have to retire. Mm -hmm. No, there's a reason why people look forward to it. Now, there's a few of us that get to do what we love and, you know, more power to them. And, mm -hmm. But you got to grind through it. You got to grind through it. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. good. Thank you so much for taking the time today to sit down and, sure. and chat with me about a multitude of things. Mm -hmm. If any of our friends wanted to follow you on social media, we know you're not super active, but where's a good place for them to start? Twitter? Uh, yeah, Twitter, uh, at Brent Ullery. Uh, Brent Ullery. And yeah. then you can also look up Central Football, and you're pretty uh, easy yeah. to find. Yeah, at CHS Elks Football. There's um, also the team Twitter if they want to follow us. And, uh, you know, I'm not great at posting on that. You know, and my, my Twitter account's mainly pictures of my dog and my son and some CrossFit stuff. 
That's, so. See, that's that's a that's a well balanced Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if people have questions about uh, what to do with their kids and coaching, are, are they uh, are you available for those kind of things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My email's public uh, information on the Central City website. Schools. Yeah, yeah. Website and great. Hit me up and you know, phone call or whatever. Email back. It doesn't matter to me. Awesome. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank mm-hmm. you, Coach, and I appreciate all that you do for our community. It really means a lot. Sure. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody, don't forget, if you enjoyed today's conversation, the best way to make sure that you stay in touch with what's happening at the podcast is subscribe. Also, if you could, please do us a favor, share this conversation somewhere on social media, maybe with somebody who's never heard it before, maybe who's somebody who plays on your team or coaches with you. We would love to get the word out about how our student athletes can wrestle with this big old monster called anxiety. Until next time, I'll see you guys real soon.